I feel like I need to apologize. This entire week, I gave you a theme. I gave you a title for the direction we were going. And the last four days, I haven't delivered. We have talked about everything but the title. And I want to apologize if I've led you on. I think today we're actually going to get at least a little bit into the meat of the main thought and main theme, Lord willing. If, uh, God gives me clarity. We'll continue this thought next week and actually get into what I wanted to talk about before getting sidetracked. And I do pray in all sincerity that what we have talked about this week has been a blessing to you. I'm not going to recap all of it. You can find it on our podcast if you want to listen to the archived version of this broadcast. Just search for Bible Tract Echoes. For those unfamiliar, my name is Mike McCurry. I have the great joy and privilege of being the director of this ministry, Bible Tracts Incorporated. Truly, it's such an honor to be able to be a part of such a legacy and such a storied ministry. Our founder, Dr. Paul Levine, started this ministry back in 1938. This radio broadcast has been on the air every week since 1958. Imagine that. We're continuing this thing. We have no plans to retreat, to stop. We're going to keep going until the Lord comes back. Now, if you would, turn your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 16. Let's find our place there together. 1 Samuel 16, yesterday on the broadcast, I did not talk about one of our gospel tracks, and I'd like to rectify that today. Before we jump into the Bible study, give me about 45 seconds. I have a gospel track, one of our most popular. We put out tens of thousands of these in the past couple of months or so. It's called What God Wants Everyone to Know. Very nicely designed. A lot of color just pops off the page with this one. If you would, go to BibleTractsInc.org. There are some answers to some questions, eternal questions, questions with eternal significance. For instance, who is God? Where did we come from? What is sin? Those are questions that you might be having right now, and you can get those answered. Go to BibleTracksInc.org and look up this tract, What God Wants Everyone to Know. Now, let's look at 1 Samuel chapter 16. Hope you'll find your place there. 1 Samuel 16, let's begin reading in verse number 6. And it came to pass... When they were come, now who is coming? It's Jesse and his sons. They're coming together that he looked. This is Samuel is looking on Eliab. He's the eldest son of Jesse. Realize Jesse has seven, uh, eight sons, I should say, including David. And we're trying to pick, or Samuel is trying with God's leading to pick the next king of Israel. God told him to go to this place and it came to pass. When they were come, that he looked on Eliab and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. He thought Eliab, this good-looking guy, this warrior type, this manly man, this has to be the guy. Verse number seven, But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. Now we've talked about that in depth the last two days. Verse number eight, then Jesse called Abinadab. This is the second son and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, neither hath the Lord chosen this. Verse number nine, then Jesse made Shammah, the third son to pass by. And he said, neither hath the Lord chosen this. Verse 10, again, Jesse made seven of his sons to pass before Samuel. And Samuel said unto Jesse, the Lord hath not chosen these. 
Samuel's thinking, I'm on a fool's errand. What am I doing here? Samuel said unto Jesse, Are here all thy children? And he said, There remaineth yet the youngest. And behold, he keepeth the sheep. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Send and fetch him, for we will not sit down till he come hither. And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy, and with all of a beautiful countenance and goodly to look to. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. Now here's the theme. Here's the thought that we've been trying to focus on. We're finally hitting the landing strip here. You and I, we, you need to think big. We have so many opportunities. Often I think of the world being as tumultuous as it is right now. I've said this before, and I'm sure I will say it again, that at no time in the last 20 years have people been more receptive to the cause of Christ than they are right now. People are in touch with their mortality. The fact that they are so fearful for their lives, yes, has some of it been falsely stirred up? Sure. But the Bible tells us that life is a vapor, and it passes away very quickly, and people are realizing that. They are figuring out that, you know what, I might not be here forever. And whether it be because of some disease, whether it be because of some virus or natural disaster, or you name it, people are in touch with the fact that there is something coming, something called death. You and I must realize, though, as Christians, as people of the book, that we have a very limited amount of time to reach them, and we need to think big. That leads us to David. Of course, the normal story that comes to people's mind when you hear the biblical name David, you think of David and Goliath, and we will get there probably next week if the Lord leads us that way. But realize that David was one who thought big. Now, how did he do that? Did David have his failings just like all of us? Absolutely. Did David make mistakes? Sure. But what I'd like to do is pick from a few stories, accounts of David's life, and realize what it was that allowed him to think big. And maybe, just maybe, you and I can learn something that we can apply to our own lives and reach people for the cause of Christ and energize our church and reinvigorate our prayer life and make the Bible come alive to us, we need to think big. You, my friend, I need to think big. What was it about David that allowed him to think big? Well, first of all, and probably as far as we'll get today is this, he was available. Now, I'm not going to give you some fancy three-point alliterated outline with a poem, a song, and a dance. We're just going to talk about what David had going on in his life before the mountaintop experiences, during the, the drudgery, the monotony of his daily life. What led to him being able to take on someone like Goliath and win? Well, he was just available. He was doing what he was supposed to be doing. I'll be honest with you. I asked you if I could be transparent previously. I'll ask you again, okay? In my own life, sometimes I think of myself more highly than I ought to think, and sometimes I feel too important for the daily stuff. 
I think I wish someone else would do this. I wish I had someone that could just take care of all this stuff and I'll take care of the important things. I'll sit here in my ivory tower and I'll think big. I'll go be a hermit on the backside of a mountain and I'll think big and everyone else can just do my bidding. Can I tell you, that's not how the world works. You and I, we need to be busy about the father's business because that is when the Father normally meets with us. You have a much higher likelihood of running across God the Father when you're in his shop doing his bidding, doing his work. A lot of times we want to be out there on the bleeding edge. And I'm all about, understand, I'm all about being on the sharp end of the stick. I think I want to, if I had, if I could pick any job in the world, I want the one that's out there living on the edge, doing the biggest things for God. But sometimes the secret to success it's in the small things. And for David's sake, he understood that. At least he was doing what he was supposed to be doing. Verse number 11, 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 11. And Samuel said unto Jesse, are here all thy children? And he said, Jesse said, there remaineth yet the youngest. He didn't even get an invite to the party. He was so unimportant to his brothers that none of them said, hey, is someone going to go tell David? We're going to this sacrifice. We're going to be sanctified. We're going to meet with Samuel. The, this grand poombah of spirituality's come to town, and no one thought to tell David about it. There remaineth yet the youngest. Behold, he keepeth the sheep. He's on the backside of the wilderness, tending to the sheep. Now, we find out in short order that David was not just some guy sitting there playing his harp, doing nothing and letting the sheep run all over the place. No, no. He was uh, something else. He killed a lion and he killed a bear. No wonder he had the gall. No wonder he had the intestinal fortitude to stand up against Goliath. But for leaving all that aside, he was just doing what he was supposed to be doing until he was told otherwise. May I give you some practical thoughts today, Christian? You would be wise to just do what you're supposed to be doing until someone tells you otherwise, specifically God tells you otherwise. You should attend the church that you know you're supposed to be attending until God moves you. You should just go to that church, and if God doesn't tell you anything for 60 years and you raise your family in that church, you see your grandkids raised in that church, and you support the path, the, the, the different pastors you have at that place, and God never moves you, awesome, great, that's phenomenal. You did what you were supposed to be doing. Can I also say, though, that you should consider picking up your Bible in the morning and spending some time with God? You should spend some time praying you should do the things you're supposed to be doing. It's far more likely for you to get assigned to that special mission, for you to get drafted to that, that, that special operations team, to be the one that really gets to go far behind enemy lines and do something amazing for God. It's far more likely for God to give you that idea, that think big idea, when you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. We think we can live like the world Monday through Saturday and all of a sudden God's just going to strike us like lightning and give us this amazing leading of God because we deigned to give him an hour, hour and a half of our time on Sunday morning. Can I tell you, friend, 
That's not how it works. David was tending the sheep. Kind of a thankless job. Not really important. He would not have even been brought up unless Samuel had asked about him. And yet he goes on to become the hero, the champion, the king, God's man, a man after God's own heart. What led to all that? How did David begin to think big? Well, he started by doing what he was supposed to be doing. Question for you. Do you have the capacity to think big? Or do you need to start doing what you're supposed to be doing first? Thank you for listening today. Consider coming to our open house at Bible Tracks Incorporated Saturday, November 13th, 1 to 5 p.m. Central Time. Contact us if you need more information. Have a great day for His glory. God bless. Thank you for joining us today for Bible Track Echoes, a ministry of Bible Tracks Incorporated. If you would like to receive a free sample packet of all of our tracks, you can contact us by calling 309-828-6888. That's 309-828-6888. Our mailing address is P.O. Box 188, Bloomington, Illinois, 61702. A faster way to contact us is to go to our website at BibleTracksInc.org. That's BibleTracksInc.org. There you will find more information about our ministry and details on how you can support Bible Tracks Incorporated. Thanks for listening, and may the Lord richly bless you as you serve Him.